Welcome along. Um, we Now we have Susanna from Zero Invasive Predators. Susanna Aiken, come to talk to us. Hi, Susanna. Hi, Vereen. Thanks for having me. Um, very glad you could come along and tell us what you guys are up to regarding the 25 million native birds that are killed every year by rats, possums and stoats. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a staggering number, isn't it? I actually personally find that one a little bit too big to get my head around. Um, it actually translates to 70,000 um, birds, chicks and eggs every night. So as we speak, oh. yeah, it's happening. <laughs> That's a sobering um, way to start a, the a interview. It's a downer, isn't it? <laughs> so shall we write, rewind a bit and... Um, Zero Invasive Predators is a charitable body that was started in 2015 to focus on research and development to tackle our predator problem. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, yeah, we were kind of um, initially, uh, we were a piece of work that actually started uh, within the Department of Conservation. um, And it was a a little uh, 40 hectare peninsula where we were trying a method called remove and protect, um, which was all about completely removing rats, possums and stoats from this little area. So the Department of Conservation gave you access to conservation land? Yeah, well, at that time, this was actually a Department of Conservation project. So this was very early on in, in 2014, 2013, 2014. Um, and, yeah, within that project, we were looking at completely removing these um, three species from a small area and then using um, what we were calling a virtual barrier to prevent reinvasion into the area. And it was just a really little proof-of-concept trial to see, you know, does this approach actually have merit? Do we think that this could actually work at a bigger scale? Um, and it was promising enough that um, in 2015, uh, DOC partnered with um, a philanthropic organisation called Next Foundation um, to basically pull that piece of work out of the department, um, set up the organisation ZIP and um, try doing the same thing at a much bigger scale. So um, in 2015, um, we began working at a site in the Queen Charlotte Sound, Bottle Rock Peninsula, which is... Um, where we still actually have a small team today um, trialling a whole lot of different approaches to um, removing um, predators from an area and then protecting that area against reinvasion. Mm. And so how would the team, how did the team start off there? Um, so uh, how did we start off in terms of... Um, so when you get to an area, mm. how do you set it up to... Yeah. Um, to make those barriers and yeah, absolutely, it's a yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, I guess what we did at Bottle Rock was a little atypical to how the model might be applied at a much bigger scale. But um, essentially, um, complete removal um, was done at Bottle Rock with a, a sort of it was a, a ground control operation using um, really intensive trapping, um, hand laid uh, toxins, various um, other sort of approaches. Um, and really, really closely monitored over a period of months to try and um, completely remove every last rat, stoat and possum. Wow, that sounds resource intensive. It it certainly (laughs) was, yeah, yeah. I think um, that's one of the things about the Remove and Protect model that, um, you know, does make it really well suited to being supported by philanthropy as opposed to government is that it does have a really big upfront cost to establish it um, and to to put a a barrier in in place as well as to do the initial removal is quite an intensive process. But long term, um, if you are successful in removing those animals and you um, 
have the tools in place to detect any invaders and then respond really quickly. Um, it actually has a really low long-term cost relative to other types of predator control. Ah, so it's like an invest now, reap the benefits later, hopefully? Yeah, and, and hopefully not too much later either. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I guess as I say, what we did at Bottle Rock in terms of removal was not that typical. Um, actually, at bigger bigger scale sites, so in the sort of um, tens, even hundreds of thousands of hectares, um, wow. you'd be starting to look at things like aerial, um, aerial 1080 and other kinds of approaches that are more appropriate for a really big kind of inaccessible, difficult to reach areas. Mm. Yeah. So right now, what, um, where is your team based and what projects are you working on? Yeah, so we've got quite a lot on the go. Um, when I joined Zip, which was um, in early 2015, there were five people in the team. I think I was the fifth to join. There's now 30 of us, um, and we're actually distributed across four different sites at the moment. So um, I'm lucky enough to be um, a member of the team based in Wellington, um, right next to Zealandia Sanctuary. Um, oh, and you were an saying... amazing neighbour to have. <laughs> <laughs> when you stay at work too late, what happens, Susanna? <laughs> I get yelled at by Kiwi over the fence. They tell me to go home. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I always know I've been there for, for too long. The day's over when the Kiwi starts singing. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have, um, we've still got this team based at Bottle Rock. Um, their job um, is to um, do kind of almost sort of large scale um initial trials of new things that we're developing so if we have a new type of trap for example or a new detection device or we want to find out how effective a particular food lure is um, that's a really good place to get a lot of information quite quickly because we've got quite a lot of traps out there um, and in other way you know there's a it's a really good place to gather a lot of data quite fast mm. um, and I guess we should be clear that <clears throat> what you're doing here is working on research and development rather than actually trying to be the ones who are eradicating all of our pests. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we're, we're, we're kind of, we're a little bit different from a lot of the other organisations that are currently working towards predator-free. So um, our role is very much about developing the capability. Um, I, we kind of work away in the background and, and are hopefully um, going to be delivering some tools quite soon that other people can then pick up and use to do really, you know, major projects. Mm. Mm. Can you share some innovations or developments that you've discovered along the way? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the other part of what we are trialling at the moment at Bottle Rock, which I sort of didn't quite get to, is um, obviously we, we got in, we removed the possums and the rats from that site. Um, the way that we're actually preventing reinvasion is by using something we call a virtual barrier, um, which is sort of, um, the idea is that it's a much more scalable and resilient way of keeping um, invasive predators out of an area than, say, a predator fence like the one we've got at Zealandia. Um, the predator fences are amazing, I should be really clear, but they're just, um, because they're expensive to build and to maintain, they're not really applicable at a much, much larger scale. Um, so the virtual barrier is, is basically really intensive trap lines. Um, we've got at Bottle Rock... Um, a peninsula of 400 hectares, um, which is basically protected by this two-and-a-half-kilometre um, long barrier across the neck of the peninsula. <coughs> um, and it's six trap lines, really intensively spaced, um, much more than you'd see um, in a normal sort of trapping operation. 
Um, and uh, we think that at the moment um, we've got it to the point where it's about 95% effective for possums and 95% effective for rats. So that means for every 100 possums that try and get onto Bottle Rock Peninsula, um, all but five of them get stopped by this barrier, um, and the mm. same for rats. And stoats aren't a problem in that area? Uh, stoats are a problem, yeah. Okay. Stoats are uh, a whole order of magnitude more difficult to deal with. Um, okay. And uh, the biggest challenge there is actually not, um, not necessarily trapping them. It's actually um, being able to find them in the first place. So they're really, really, really difficult at the moment to actually um, measure whether you're having an effect when you do predator control um, because, yeah, just the current methods are not as sensitive as we need them to be. So that is something we're also looking at, is developing more sensitive detection tools for stoats. Um, yeah, actually, the other thing about stoats, which makes them very difficult to control at, at a place like Bottle Rock, is that um, the, the whole peninsula is 400 hectares. Um, stoats have really big home ranges, up to about 100 hectares, um, even bigger sometimes. So when you're looking at an area like that, it's potentially only four stoats home ranges. It's not a population wow. as such. Yeah, They move fast on those little legs of theirs. They really do, yeah. yeah. And they're very solitary animals as well, so it's sort of hard to really... Um, hard to really quantify how much of a difference you're making. Um, yeah, and an individual stoat just can do a huge amount of damage as well. Mm. Mm. And so aside from Bottle Rock, you have a few other sites that you're doing projects in? Yeah, yeah. So Bottle Rock is, is our first site and our kind of ongoing, um, it's almost a big outdoor laboratory in some ways. Um, we also have another um, site where we do um, quite a lot of initial testing and trials and looking at how animals interact with different things. Um, which is in um, Lincoln in Canterbury, uh, really close to Lincoln University, actually. Um, so we've got a very small team there who um, maintain this predator research sort of behavioural facility, essentially. Um, it's about two, a two-hectare uh, predator-fenced enclosure, so um, it's a really good place to, again, really rapidly test um, whether um, wild-caught stoats, rats, possums... Um, will interact positively with something like a new lure that we might be trying to find out um, how attractive it is or, you know, a particular shaped tunnel or trap box. Is an mm. animal likely to want to go into that? Um, are is, there reasons that they might avoid it? That kind of thing. Is that also the site where you found out about the heights of predator fences and um, that they didn't need to be as high as people had originally thought? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've been doing quite a few trials around um, basically whether we can lower the height of a predator fence to make it, um, I guess, firstly cheaper to build, but also maybe more socially acceptable in areas where people live. So mm. potentially along, you know, roadways, um, outside farms, um, there yeah. might be some real rural application for something like that. So at the moment, at a place like Zealandia, it's mm. a couple of metres high? Yeah, so I think the standard is 1.8 metres. Um, but that is the, for a specific reason. So that's also excluding cats. Um, right. Yeah, so our, our fence is looking like it's going to be really effective for possums, rats and stoats at 1.1 metres. One metre. Yeah. I've rounded that down. You have. <laughs> I like it. We actually, we tried to go lower um, and we found, I think... Um, 
think possums and rats were excluded at around, I might be misremembering this, but I think it was around the 800 millimeter mark. So wow. lower than a meter, you could very easily step over it. Um, stoats, again, they're a bit wilier. They were very um, tenacious and very good jumpers. And mm. yeah, we had a couple of stoats escape at that height. But yeah. 1.1 meters is looking quite um, promising for, for all three species. It's amazing to think that an 80 centimetre fence could keep out rats and possums, which we've always been yeah. told how good they are at, you know, creeping around. And... Oh, they're good at creeping around. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't mean that they can't jump to that height either, but there's um, it's sort of the architecture of the hood as well. Mm. So they have to not only jump up, they also have to be able to jump across and over and, and get, you know, scrabble over the top and that's a, another challenge, really, yeah. Mm. And so that's all happening at Lincoln, that research. Mm. Yeah, so that's happening at Lincoln. Um, and we, uh, we're also just in the process at the moment of, um, we're, we're in the early stages of a major um, possum eradication attempt in um, an area in South Westland. So this is the Perth Valley, um, kind of relatively close to Whataroa Township. I'm not sure if... How familiar everyone is with the West Coast, but and is that is that down near the Hast Pass or? Uh, it's a little way away from Hast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is it near? <laughs> uh, Franz Joseph is okay. possibly the closer, mm. yeah, kind of landmark that people maybe are more familiar with. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a pretty extraordinary piece of country. So it's really, really rugged, um, kind of. Um, quite dense bush up to tussock, kind of alpine tussocks and then permanent snow and ice um, in the in the main divide. So pretty pretty exciting country for the team to be working in. Pretty challenging, um, especially during the winter months, which we've just hit. <laughs> mm. um, and so what's the yeah. program? Yeah, so um, what we're trying to do there is um, completely remove possums and potentially rats. We think we're very confident that we'll be successful with possums. Rats will be a little bit harder. Stoats, as I say, we've still got a lot to learn about stoats. Um, it's like we need a special stoat team to be, like, you know, the craftiest minds in the country yeah. <laughs> trying to work out what stoats are thinking. Yes, that is that is the challenge. That's yeah. just a tip from me to zip. <laughs> <laughs> I've written it down. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, actually. There are um, quite often in the team we'll, we'll, we'll sort of be looking at a particular challenge of sort of, you know, how do we how do we take on this particular animal in this context? And it always comes back to if I was a stoat, if I was a rat, <laughs> thinking thinking like these animals, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully without anthropomorphizing them at the same time. Um sorry, I derailed you there. <laughs> that's fine, it was easy to do. Um <laughs> so yeah, so in in this area we've uh, in the South Westland in the Perth Valley, um twelve thousand hectares. Um, that we're looking to completely remove possums from. Um, that will be using a modified um, application of Aerial 1080. So um, totally acknowledging that this is a, a fairly controversial tool. Mm. Um, and what we're quite excited about here is that if this is a successful um, approach, then um, actually the need to use Aerial 1080 at a landscape scale could become a one-off. It could become something that we only have to do once and then you don't have to go back at that scale and do it again. So that's quite an exciting thing. Um, the way that we uh, would are looking to prevent reinvasion once we've eradicated possums and hopefully rats, 
um, is actually by reinforcing and using um, really big, strong, natural boundaries in the landscape. So um, really big rivers are surrounding our site on both sides. Um, and up the top, we've got the main divide with this permanent snow and ice, mm. which is, is virtually unpassable. Except so. by stoats, I guess. <laughs> Except by stoats. <clears throat> well, we don't know that, actually. Um, we de- we're definitely seeing a few of them um, in the sort of the tussock area, but we don't actually know a lot about stoats' activity up at that that level. So it's going to be a really, really interesting um, learning exercise, I think, mm. for everybody, what, what the outcome of this project is. and. And what we're actually seeing out there. Mm. Mm. And so Zip has decided to go with 1080, even though there has been miles of controversy about it. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about that? About the choice to use 1080? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I think um, one of the things that New Zealand does very, very well um, is, is island eradications. We've got a really, really profound track record for that. Is that island's... On mainland or this is islands, islands, offshore islands. Okay. Yeah. So areas Real where you've, you've got you know animals living but no people. Yeah. Um, and the tool that we use for that is is Bredificum, which um, is also actually the same thing that we'd use behind a predator fence. So Zealandia was eradicated using Bredificum. Um, but there are some good reasons that that toxin is not uh, registered for use on mainland New Zealand in that way. Um, the next, the thing that we know that we do have that's available and that works really well for suppressing predator populations to low levels is 1080. Um, and there's a huge amount of evidence now over, you know, we've been using it for over 60 years now in New Zealand. Um, there's a real body of evidence that shows that it is actually a really, really effective tool when it's used appropriately um, for safeguarding biodiversity. Um, and I'd really recommend, actually, if anyone's interested in reading more about that or just kind of if you've got questions, um, the Parliamentary Commissioner for the Environment released a really good report on that a few years ago. Um, just as a, basically a big meta-analysis of all of the um, kind of literature that was available around 1080 and right. its effectiveness. Yeah. So, yeah. And so when you went and when you started on this um, Perth island, Perth, Perth Valley, Valley. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> did you have discussions with members of the local community about what you were doing there? And Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we work really closely with the department. Um, we're, we're very, very lucky to have a good, a good relationship with the Department of Conservation. Um, and, and obviously, um, at a local level, their existing relationships were really, um, you know, they, they were a big part of that initial consultation process. Um, we've worked quite closely as well um, to, well, just to ensure that we're working, um, that we're communicating um, our progress with local iwi. So um, Macafio is the iwi there on the coast. Um, and um, just ensuring that um, as concerns are raised, that we're, we're looking, that we're addressing them appropriately. Um, mm. Yeah, so I guess another quite good example is, um, you know, that the hunting community traditionally has... Um, some opposition to the use of aerial 1080 um, for various reasons. And um, the area that we're working in actually has a really prized um, population of tar, which is a sort of a Himalayan mountain goat, really, really beautiful animals. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're a prized um, trophy species by hunters. 
And so um, there were some concerns about the impacts, potential impacts of using Aerial 1080 in an area where tar are present. Um, and so we're actually working with a collective of representatives of the hunting community to run a monitoring program to actually see, um, you know, what, if anything, the impacts are on tar in this area. Mm. There's very little known about that um, at the moment. So this is a really good opportunity to learn. Mm. Um and could you do you have any tasters for us of what we might expect to hear coming up from Zip in the next in the coming years? Like, do you know um, what kind of information you're aiming to be able to give the public? Or yeah, so we are already starting to share quite a bit of our learning, um, and so one of the ways that we're doing that is um, through our website, um, which is zip.org.nz. Um, if anyone's interested in uh, learning more, we've got um, quite a few findings on the website now, which are um, essentially um, kind of interim learnings, things that we um, are fairly confident that we um, understand now a lot better than we may have before and some of the new developments that we've been kind of working on. Um, there are tools that we're at a point now that we've developed, we've prototyped, we've tested, um, we're kind of reaching a point where those things are going to start becoming more widely available for others to use, which is quite exciting. So um, one of those is an automated lure dispenser, which um, is designed to uh, basically be used alone or alongside traps to um, basically keep fresh, attractive food lures really uh, fresh in the field for up to a year, um, which is quite exciting because that is a huge labour reduction in the cost of actually looking after traps and rebaiting them. Um, mm. So that's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we were t having a talk before the interview, <clears throat> we talked about how you're very much not a community um, predator eradication group, but do you have any tips for those community groups, who one of whom we might be having on the show soon, um, Predator Free, Mount Cook, Newtown, Berenpore and... The other one, Newtown, Mount Cook and Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, can you tell us any, or for home mm. trappers, any tips? Yeah, so I think the thing that we get asked maybe the most often is, um, like, what should I be putting in my traps? What's the best lure? Um, and if you're trying to catch rats, um, the best advice I have is use a really good peanut butter. It's, um, mm. it's not particularly innovative, but um, we actually, we use picks at our field site. And it is amazing. It catches about 20% more rats than any other food lure that we've tried. Um, so it's very effective. Um, as a Wellingtonian, I might also put in a plug for Fix and Fog, although I don't have the data to support that. Right. <laughs> but it's also it's a fine peanut butter. A very fine peanut butter. I eat it myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, we're also finding, actually, we're getting some quite good results for rats, possums, and stoats um, using egg-based mayonnaise. So that's something okay. to try. Um, I'd be interested if anyone wants to give that a go in their home trap. I'd love to hear how, how it goes. If you catch yeah. any stoats, that'd be very exciting. Um, yeah, so give that a go. Um, yeah, we also have had quite good results on Nutella as well particularly during the summer months. There's something about um, yeah, something about the way that, um, I guess, there's different, different things that rats feel like at different times of the year. Yeah. The risk of anthropomorphising them too yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> I've already gone there, don't worry. Yeah. 
Oh, well, Susanna, thank you very much for coming on the show. Can I just get you to give your... Um, Email, uh, not email, <laughs> your website one more time. Yeah, absolutely. I can do both, actually. Um, so the website is zip.org.nz. And um, if you do want to email us, it's info at zip.org.nz. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you. And um, looking to hear more about what you guys find out in the coming years. Uh, that's Susanna Aiken. Uh, she is the Communications and Development Lead at Zip or Zero Invasive Predators. Mm-hmm.